right, welcome to Drink Something Amazing. Uh, we're a podcast that's all about making wine fun and not frightening. My name is Alex. Uh, I am a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers and a certified specialist of wine with the Society of Wine Educators. And with me today is... Christy, the Renaissance mom. Nice. Okay, I kind of miss calling you the yoga mom, you know. I know, I was thinking about that before and I was like, should I be the yoga mom? Because now I'm kind of back into yoga. But in a whole different way, I don't know. Right. And Christy, the indecisive mom, doesn't really work either. So, <laughs> Well, I think Renaissance mom for this podcast, or maybe by next time I'll have fully gotten back into yoga, and then I can be the yoga mom again. Kind of like Joseph in the uh, amazing Technicolor dream code That's over there. Me. Just, just so many, that is me. So many I different things. so colorful. There's so many colors. You're like an onion. There's lots of layers. No, I'm colorful. I'm like a rainbow. There's lots of colors. Okay, you're like a colorful rainbow. Yeah. I don't know any rainbow songs offhand or I'd sing one. Yeah, you do. Kermit. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, let's not. Let's, anyway, so um, thank you for joining us. Uh, sorry it's been a while since our last podcast came out. There's been a lot going on. Uh, the world keeps happening to us. It's weird. You, know, you went a, to France with our middle child. Well, and there's all this parenting that's happening, and then we got COVID again, and then, you know, it's just a... Graduation. So, I mean, you know, we're, we are, even though I'm the psalm and she's the yoga renaissance mom, we're also uh, a married couple with three boys, uh, two dogs, four cats, and a lizard. We did have five, but we shipped that one to <laughs> one, Los Angeles. We gave one cat a home that wasn't so. us. <laughs> so there's a lot going on, and so sometimes that does get in the way of us doing our duty by you, and I do apologize for that. But we're going to be regular. We're coming back every week. Uh, yeah, it's like season three now. Making magic happen. So the um, I, how many times do I have to tell you we are 10 episodes into season three i don't understand (laughs) or listen either really i don't sometimes like i catch it i think i'm funny you are there is definitely that going for you yeah so the idea i get a chuckle from myself and that's you know if you can make yourself laugh then you're doing all right hey i only do that when i take off my shirt but fan fucking tastic anyway don't do that why do you do that all the women love you. You know, it, it's weird. The thing is, is that I'm, I'm I'm maturing, and I discovered a gray chest hair, and that was just like, and now it's uh, a really, gray chest hair. It's really you've kinda, had gray chest hairs for years, but it still catches me off the guard because I go walking by a mirror, and there's my father. I'm like, what the hell is he doing uh, there? Gray chest hair. Yeah, <laughs> on my back. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, wine. That's why we're actually here, because wine should be for everyone. It shouldn't be intimidating. It shouldn't be scary. And it can easily be that way. But we want to make it, it easier, more accessible. And the best way to do that is to take the fear out of it by um, by actually teaching you how to taste wine and know what you're looking for. And you see lots of fancy things going on and people swirling wine and people who know wine. And, and they're kind of gatekeepers of taste. And I want you to be your own gatekeeper of your own taste. So... We use what's called the five S's because every time you approach a glass of wine, it's real quick and simple, real easy to find out if you like it. If so, why you like it. You see it, you sip it, you sniff it. Sorry, you see it, you sniff it, you sip it, you savor it, you spit it. Done. And then you know. Does it look good? Does it smell good? Does it taste good? Does it hurt when you swallow? You're all good. If all those things go by with aces, you love the wine. You're all good. So that's what we're going to do today. Christy and I have a wine in front of us. We do. It is very... It's like liquid gold. It is a very pretty wine. It is very pretty. And we're going to go through this wine together and uh, and see how it goes. 
So, uh, yes. So, uh, just briefly, by the way, I don't know where you found us, but if you found us on the Apple uh, podcast, that's great. We're also uh, on um, Spotify. We're on the the um, Alexa Homecast podcast thing now, the Amazon version of that. We're actually in quite a few places. So feel free to share us with your friends. Give us a like. Give us a review. Uh, all that stuff helps gets this information that Five you're enjoying stars. out to people all over the world. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, I've kind of left the Twitter platform ever since um, the upheaval. Uh, upheaval, that's good. And uh, and I'm content that way at the moment. So, uh, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, great places to find us these days. Okay, good. Anyway, carrying Let's on. Let's go. Wine in a glass. Well, would you care for a glass of wine, my dear? I, that's all I want right now. Vino would be Kino. I can't reach it because my microphone's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. It's so big. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Size isn't everything. <laughs> there are some really powerful but very small mics out there, Christy, and you you got to just I've it's used not, them before. It's I know. You I know heard when that I did you, Northern but... Exposure, which is really dating me. What's the du- the, the dude's name that played Joel? Mm. Okay, I'm sorry if you're listening, Joel, but you were a jerk and he had he was miked so sensitively that he p- whispered his lines because he didn't want any other extra to hear him. Ugh, actors. Right. You know what I'm saying? Never dealt with that in my life. Yeah, I know. Never dealt with a sensitive prima donna egotistical oh, person go who had away. to <laughs> <laughs> needed to be handed things because they can't work around their microphone at all. That's new. <laughs> Okay, so here we have a glass of wine in our hands. Christy, what do you see in the glass? We are going to see the glass. Hey, Kev. You want to go out? Hold Kevin, the podcast dog. pod dog. Going out. Apparently has to go yell at people outside the pod studio. Okay, what? It, what what's the... First one, you... S number one, what we see. What do right, you see? see. Oh, God, I thought I was going to get tested. Suddenly my blood pressure went up. Okay, what do I see? That would be I making see... wine not fun. I know. Okay. So. I see liquid gold. It's a golden color. It's like looks like golden chrome. Awesome. Okay. It's beautiful. So we have a clear white wine in the glass, uh, yellow in color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And do you see any like clouding or any particulate matter in it or anything? Well, there's a couple pieces of cork. Okay. So I have a dirty okay. glass. So with um with wine, when you are looking Can't at really it in the glass see here. We go through this every time. Find your light, lady. How do you how do you survive Where this? Where is it? Because all the lights are on you. Or your books. Where's my light? There's no light for me to find. Give me my light. Tech boy. Oh, exactly. So much better. So by looking at a glass of wine, what we mean is basically just taking a quick visual uh, glance at it. So you want to, um, whenever you're trying a wine or you go to tasting, you're going to get an ounce to two ounces of wine in your glass. And you're going to want to look through it. Not, um, not by holding, a lot of people will hold it up to the, to the sky or whatever like that. But really all you need to do is have a piece of white paper. You're going to tilt the glass over that piece of white paper. And um, at about a 45 degree angle, and you're going to look at the wine through that. And using a white background and natural light, if you can find it, it's going to give you the truest idea of the color of the wine. 
And when you're examining the wine, you want to kind of look through the center of it. That's the core of the wine. And that's where you're going to get your truest color representation because it's the densest part of that. And then as it shifts out to the edge, it'll change color a little bit as it gets thinner. Sometimes it'll change color dramatically because of age, but sometimes it'll just stay the same. This is a golden yellow wine. It absolutely. is golden. I was right. You are absolutely right. Um, and it doesn't, there's no imperfections. There's no, um, there's no sediment in it. There's no, um, it, it does look like I got a little bit of cork in it when I pulled the top of the bottle, which happens sometimes. But, but it is crystal clear. So uh, finding chunks of cork in your wine because they came off the cork will happen sometimes. It doesn't mean the wine is, and I quote, air quotes, corked. Corked is a condition that means it's actually interacted with the cork. Um, in a negative way, and that's something you can tell by smelling the wine, which is ironically what we're doing next. Oh. Let's smell the well, wine. Well, let's go. Put your nose in it. So it doesn't seem particularly pungent because I'm not smelling it just as I'm holding it in here near the microphone, but as I move it up to my chin and I move it to my nose, I'm getting more on the nose, but it's... It, it's, it's good. Yeah. It smells good. It smells like pears. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. The, white flowers. <laughs> the pride with which you grin over there as you say white flowers is fantastic. So with the um, with the wine at this point, if you were uh, if you aren't getting a lot off the nose, this is the perfect time to swirl it. So all you're going to do is you're going to um, agitate the wine in the glass. You're going to run it around um, in a motion that's comfortable to you, a bit around the glass. And what this does is it aerates it a bit, and it causes those um, those so good volatile. Um, phenolics esters. to lift off the wine and bring up those esters uh, into the glass so you can actually smell more of what's going on in the wine. And a trick someone taught me is that if the wine isn't particularly strongly scented, put your hand over it as you swirl it, and that'll help trap the phenolics in the glass, the, the aromas in the glass, and then is bring it to your nose. and aroma? Is a phenolic a, an mm. aroma? Phenolic. Um, good question. Did you? Are you trying not to answer it because you don't know? So as far as I know, phenolics... Did you just use a word that you don't know because it sounds really good? Well, the, as far as I know, and this is where um, the, speci the specific answer to what a phenolic is, I don't actually know. I, I believe that what it is, it's, it's actually a combination of aroma molecules being lifted by alcohol molecules. Um, and there are specific compounds that are described as phenolics. Um, I got swirl happy. I just dropped. I just spilled wine all swirl over. Swirl happy. And it gets used. In, so it's one of those words that also get used out of context quite a bit. So let's look up phenolics, what it actually means. Phenolics, wine. Okay. So the phenolic content in wine refers to the phenolic compounds, natural phenol and polyphenols in wine, including a large group of several hundred chemical compounds that affect the taste, color, and mouthfeel of wine. These compounds include phenolic acids, stibonoids, flavanols, dihydroflavanols, anthocyanins, flavanol monomers, and flavanol polymers. This large group of natural phenols can be broadly separated into two categories, flavonoids and non-flavonoids. This is getting quickly technical and beyond me. So it's not a smell thing, it's a taste thing or a feel thing. It's a sensory Okay, no wait. As a wine ages, chemical reactions among the acids, sugars, alcohols, and phenolic compounds create new smells that are known as the wine's bouquet. So I am correct in using phenolic as a descriptor for okay. smells because it is something that happens when the anthocyanins and the cyanins interact. They actually generate the smells as well as the flavor, texture, and mouthfeel. Interesting. Okay. Crazy 
flavonoids. So much math and science, and that is not the guy I am. You're pretty good at it, though. All right. You're pretty techy. Phenols from oak aging. Interesting. Okay, so. All right. Getting back to what we smell in the wine, because it doesn't matter how it got there. What matters is what is there. Right. Well, God, what is going on? I think my glass is broken. I'm sure it's probably the glass that's spilling on you. (laughs) I just tip it and it drips. Maybe it's too full. It is not too full. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I was going to complain that this is not a six ounce pour. It's not supposed to be a six ounce pour for a tasting. I don't even know if it's a four ounce pour. For a tasting, it's supposed to be one to two ounces. It's actually more like a four ounce pour. It's a little overwhelming. Late night. Yeah, well, just we can have more, but this is the tasting portion. All right, so the smell. What do you smell? Let's go. go. I'm trying, but you keep pouring wine on yourself. I told you, pears and white flowers. I'm there. That's it. And a little grass, like green, fresh grass. Okay. Um, there's uh, for me. There's there's a little bit of honey, um, vanilla, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sugar cookie. I don't get. Well, I don't know. Sugar cookie's kind of vanilla-ish. It's sweet. A little bit of lemon blossom back there. So there's a little bit of, of uh, citric and vanilla in there in the background. I think. Oh, it's um, so good. But yeah, definitely. It's it's just makes me want, makes me want to taste it. Fortunately, that's the next step is sipping. Thank God. <laughs> so now you're going to take about a tablespoon of wine into your mouth. You're not just going to swig it down. You're actually going to go ahead and take a tablespoon in. You're going to um, swish it around your mouth a little bit, let it roll across your palate and experience the taste and um, as fully as you can and then swallow it. And then compare the taste to the nose notes that you were getting. It's so good. It's like grapefruit with, you know... I don't know. When my mom was kind of normal and she was pretending to be a good mom, she would cut a grapefruit in half. So I was probably four or five. She cut a grapefruit in half and then she'd cut all the segments. Like she would cut a slice on all the segments and then she'd drip honey on it. And then you would eat this grapefruit, this poppy fresh grapefruit with this kind of viscous sticky honey that was sweet and it was like this pow in your mouth oh i've got to get a grapefruit (laughs) this that's what this tastes like i'm with you um i'm not getting grapefruit as a flavor but i understand what you mean as far as those contrasts of that that texture of honey and that acidity of citrus Mm. when you bring those together you're getting a really lovely combination of both texture and gleeking and acidity um there is um, and smoothness it's there's a smoothness to it like mm -hmm. When you first taught me how to take the wine in and leave it there and not just kind of chug it like it was a down in one shot. Go, go, go. go. Um, this is one of those wines that just it melts over your tongue like honey. It's great. It's really yeah. This is a lovely wine, um, and I am one hundred percent with you on that. So yeah, on the palate, it meets you with acidity at the beginning. It's very it, it's it's very crisp. Uh, but it's a smooth and it's soft. Um, there is a softness to it. Um, and so that it's not overwhelmingly acidic. It's not overwhelmingly bright. And a lot of times, um, like a wine that's this color will have a lot of apple to it. And there is no apple in this. Um, it, it, Mm -hmm. this is more about that. Um, those, those, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's pear. I think it's, um, honey. I think it's vanilla. I think it's a little bit of that sugar cookie, that lemon acid, um, I get a grapefruit. I really get a grapefruit acid from it. There's a, 
the pith on the grapefruit, the white part, sometimes it kind of squirts. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like when you tear the peel of of a grapefruit. I've never seen the white part of a grapefruit no, squirt, I guess but I have seen like it's the, the, the outside. Yeah, I mean, because it. the 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 oils in the skin are something actually used by bartenders a lot. And they, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know those were oils. But then you kind of taste them because they're in the air. Right. That's what this tastes like. Okay. That part of the grapefruit. So like citrus oils. Like grapefruit oils. Yeah, did oils. you already say that? Um, Not specifically the oils, but I mean, that is, I mean, there's a whole, that's why you zest a fruit is because oh. you're getting that outside rind with those oils in there that have those very distinct flavors that are essences of the fruit without the juice of the fruit. And I'm, I'm with you. I think mm. this is very much more about those essences of lemon, essences of grapefruit mm-hmm. in there, combined with that that softness and that that um, those hints of, uh, of of sugar cookie of of um, I keep saying sugar cookie, um, but it is like a really light honey. And yeah. I was reading about all the different types of honey out there, and this is a really light honeyed texture. It's not a rich clover, not a rich fireweed um, honey. This is it's it's a it's an understated soft sweetness that isn't sugary. Really interesting. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, okay. So we've tasted the wine. We've smelled the wine. Uh, we've looked at the wine and we've sipped it and we've swallowed it. Swallowing. I mean, does this feel hot to you? Does this feel like a high alcohol wine? No. So what would you There's guess? There's a little heat. I would say medium to low. Okay. Most alcohol, most wines are somewhere between 11% and 15% alcohol by volume. I would say this one's probably around 13. I must say 12. Okay. 12 would be low. Um, or medium oh, okay. low. So usually 13 is about as low as a commercial wine will go that we'll find. Okay. Um, unless it's something that you would... Well, would... then what's a non-commercial wine that goes to 11? Sometimes like pet nets and stuff, but wines what's that are... pet nets? Uh, hang on, we'll come back to that. Okay. So a wine that's more distinct, like a Riesling from Germany or mm-hmm. a Pinot Gris from Germany, like those wines can sometimes get down to 11. Uh, and those are commercially produced wines, but those are very distinctive styles that come from a very cool climate. Okay. In Germany, sometimes in Austria, a pet nat wine is what's called petenant natural, or wines that are made as naturally as possible with as minimal intervention. And sometimes, because they're made naturally with no uh, no additional uh, winemaking steps taken that aren't required, sometimes they just won't reach full alcoholic fermentation. Oh, so okay. you'll be left with a lower alcohol by volume wine because you're not bumping it up to keep it within spec. Bump it up. Bump it up. All so. Right. <clears throat> Now we reach the fun part. Using all these clues that you've gathered, the color, the sight, the smell, the taste, what do you think this is? I don't know. Does I'm it taste old world or new world? New world. Okay. Why? I don't know. Okay. Um, well, that's fair. I mean, old world wines, for in a lot of cases, um, I mean, what do they taste like? This is where I get stumped. I just... I just don't know enough about the grid okay. to understand what I'm looking. I can understand now what I, t- I've learned enough to understand what I taste mm-hmm. and I can maybe pick out a Syrah or a Cabernet because those are kind of my favorites, well, but a white wine, I just, I know it's not a Chardonnay. What you're bringing up is really interesting because what you are experiencing is you know enough to identify what's happening in the glass and what's happening on your palate, but you lack a lexicon of information to compare it to. So Hold you on. don't pod ha- dog. Come on, pod dog. Is he in? Okay. 
So what you're lacking now is you're lacking a lexicon of information to compare it to. It's like knowing, um, I, 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 boy, I guess if you if you don't try a bunch of different wines and remember them, then you have no way of knowing what you're drinking compared to that because it doesn't. So what you know is what you've drank before, right? Well, and here's my thing. I don't have a good memory like that. But you do. Well, if. Oh, that's gonna sound awful. No, you do. You you if have. If I'm interested, then I do. I'm very interested in drinking what I like, but maybe I just leave it up to you to remember it. Well, there's not only that, but the thing is, is that you haven't made you haven't made the effort. No. So what you're saying is actually very accurate. If you're not interested, you don't pay attention. You don't care. So you have no memory of that. It's like knowing what kind of book you like to read or knowing what kind of podcast you like to listen to. You look for the indicators of the things that are going to give you the experience you want. And that may be, for instance, on a podcast, it may be the cover art. It may be the catch words. It may be the way they sound the first time that you, you tune in. And if you don't like it, you tune out. If they say fuck a lot, I'm in. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Um... But with wine, in a lot of cases, if you don't try a broad range of wines, it gets really hard. And that's why blind tasting so so annoying is because if you don't try a broad range of wines, how will you know? Right. How will you know if it's a Riesling versus a Pinot Gris versus a Chardonnay versus a Sauvignon Blanc versus a Semillon versus a, a Pinot Blanc versus an Eidelswicker? Because I would think after however many of these that we've done that I would have a little bit more of an idea. And you do. You say you don't think it's a Chardonnay and you think it's New World. Okay. But you don't know why. No, I don't know why. Right, because you tune out at that part. Well, no, I know it's not a Chardonnay because <laughs> it doesn't have that oaky. There's a there's a certain thing with Chardonnays that I can tell. But as far as this, it's like a Pinot Grigio. Interesting. Okay. All right. So you think it's a New World Pinot Grigio? Sure. Okay, great. Um, part of the fun about this is trying to figure <laughs> out why you think that. <clears throat> and so... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know. La 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 that's la fine. la. <laughs> well, you're wrong. <laughs> Excellent. It is New World. You got that part, and okay. that's great. But it's a Chardonnay. No. It's absolutely a Chardonnay. Way. Well, and that's there's no reason to feel bad about that because Chardonnay is such an amorphous, elusive grape that is can be so many things to so many different people. It is honestly, uh, it, it is it has no confidence in itself. When I said that so confidently, when mm-hmm. I said it's not a Chardonnay, I was like, oh, it's going to be a Chardonnay. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> Isn't that the worst? Like, I know what this is. It's really not. It's, well, I know what it's not. Yeah. It's not it's, a Chardonnay. And it's exactly that. It's exactly a Chardonnay. Well, and, and Chardonnay gets made in so many different ways and so many different styles. There are certain grapes in the world that can only be grown in certain unique places and only thrive there. There are certain places in the world where they do things exceptionally well, but... With this wine, in particular, the grape that's in it, and it is 100% Chardonnay, um, is such a, a, a friendly grape that loves to grow in different places. So you will get this this grape made into wine all over the world. There's nowhere in the world where you will not find Chardonnay being made for the most part. Mm. If they're growing wine, they can do Chardonnay. Washington, Oregon, California, New Zealand, Australia... South Cape of South Africa, all over South America, uh, France in particular. They're even doing it in little locations in Spain. They do it in Italy. They do it, you know, the little places in Germany. Everywhere does Chardonnay because Chardonnay will put up with a lot and still make a you solid mean the wine grape, grape. The vine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Chardonnay vine. It is so good. I just 
made you fill out my glass again. And it is, so now I have like a full six ounces. So thank you. You're welcome. It's date night after all. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like it's the perfect summer wine as well. And why is it a perfect summer wine? Because it's crisp, especially when it's really cold. It's like cooling. It's fun. It's acidic. It's everything. It's light. It's everything you want in a wine when it's really hot outside like it is here. So what you're getting from that, those things that make it light and crisp and acidic, um, that comes from being grown in a cool climate. Those things, those elements of that, because what happens when you grow the grape, Chardonnay in particular, is you're getting more of those fruit elements and they're less sugary, they're less green apple they're more delicate. Um, mm-hmm. Cool climate over a longer period of time gives you a more delicate grape, as opposed to something that goes in a lot of heat, which gets really sugary and really plump really fast, in which case you get a rougher, readier Chardonnay. Um, so this one actually comes from the Sonoma Coast. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the wine is called Flowers Sonoma Coast Chardonnay 2021, and this is 100% Chardonnay, um, and they actually do use French oak on it. It is 18% brand new French oak. It's aged 10 months in barrel, so this one has spent um, actually quite a bit of French oak on it, which tells you how acidic the wine probably was going into there. That it takes 18% new oak and 10 months of resting in oak to soften and balance mm. and harmonize. Um, and the, this, this company uses uh, wild yeast and hand harvesting. They do all those things that are about being delicate and about taking care of the wine and, um, and ending up with a really, really amazing product. Can I see the bottle? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I certainly like the name. Well, the um, and it's it's actually the thing. It's not named flowers because uh, the, someone in a, in a corporate office thought, well, vines have flowers. We should name it flowers, or wouldn't that be pretty? It's actually the name of Walton Joan Flowers, mm-hmm. and Walton Joan lived in upstate um, Pennsylvania, and they had a nursery back in the eighties. Oh, Joan and Walt. Yeah, two two people. Joan. I and thought Walt. you. I thought his name was Walton Joan Flowers. No. Do you get His that? name is Walt Flowers. Her name is Joan Flowers. Got it. Together they are Walt and Joan Flowers. And they owned <laughs> a nursery in Pennsylvania. And every year they would go to Oregon and California to get cuttings, clippings, and and um, and product for their nursery back east. And they fell in love with some property in Sonoma that was not being used for wine growing at all. And they thought to themselves, what a great next step in our adventure. So they went, um, they took their holdings, they took their their money, and they went and they bought 300 acres on the extreme Sonoma coast. They were within like a mile of the Pacific where no one was growing grapes. Mm-hmm. And they got these hillsides. And they realized what they really had there was they cleared off some of the of the very ridge of these hillsides because in the morning in the Pacific, all this p- cool Pacific fog rolls in, but stays generally below about 1,000 feet. So above that, they've got these hilltop ridges where they could plant grapes that would have sunshine all day but would get cooling breezes. So you're getting really great temperature control but lots of sunshine to feed the grapes. So you have this really amazing growing condition that is really cool in the morning and then gets warmer throughout the day and then it cools down again at night. Oh, and that's grapes beautiful. need that. You can just see it. Oh, it's gorgeous. And it, you can actually taste it. So what they grew that down is, there is... That's one of the mind-blowing things right there is that it tastes like cool, foggy mornings, sunshine, honey, flowers. Like you can you can taste the 
how do we, how do you say it? Not the architecture of the of the geography. Mm-hmm. You can taste the geography. Well, and like any well-made wine, really well-made wines are all about revealing their place. They're all about exposing where they oh, come that's from. Beautiful. Um, you need and, to write that down for your book. And it's <laughs> now I'm writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, but the the thing is that we drink so many highly processed wines are about creating a, a Budweiser of wines that we tend to miss that. But what this place in Sonoma Coast does is what Burgundy does so well. So in France, in Burgundy, they grow two grapes. They grow Pinot Noir and they grow Chardonnay. And those are the two grapes they grow because it's cool there and they have these amazing hillsides with limestone on them in Burgundy. And that's what Burgundy became known for was their Chablis slash Chardonnay or their Burgundy slash Pinot Noir. And that's what Flowers does. They do Chardonnay and they do Pinot Noir. And they do them exceptionally well. I want all of it. I just drank all of it, didn't I? No, there's a little bit more left. You can have that. Oh, sorry. Here, let me pour that for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what actor was I talking about that was so high maintenance? Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't remember. Because <clears throat> I'm a hood husband and I know my role. So um, this is I, it's a fairly perfumed wine. It's fairly light. Um, it does not have um, a lot of that blistering acidity because it does get softened by that oak aging. They don't use um, batonnage stirring to up the yeast cells to soften it. I believe it does go through a malolactic fermentation. But this is not a big, buttery, uh, mm-hmm. robust, mouth-creamy wine that feels like you're drinking honeyed cream cheese, like some California Chardonnays can be. And which is probably what we tend to identify Chardonnays being. Right. Because, you know, generationally speaking, um, there was a period of time when Kendall Jackson Chardonnay dominated right. the Chardonnay world. And it was a very specific type. Um, and it was the poor man's Rombauer Chardonnay in a way, which was all about buttered popcorn and a green apple acid. And it was just really robust and mouth filling and buttery. And that's a certain flavor and it's a certain type. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it did dominate what people's perceptions of Chardonnay became, which is Absolutely. why there's. That's people, my perception. What, what, and, and so you kind of fit into that ABC category of wine drinker, which is anything but Chardonnay. <laughs> Well, I do like a buttery Chardonnay in the winter. If mm-hmm. I want a white wine in the winter, I do kind of like a buttery, like deep. Oh, there's a time and a place for everything, yeah. which is one of the great things, again, about Chardonnay grapes is it can be so green apple and acidic and bright that it's almost like a Pinot Gris. Mm-hmm. And then there are times when it's so buttery and rich and velvety and smooth that it's mm-hmm. like drinking a rich Chardonnay. Or, you know, almost like a semi-owned because of that velvety mouth-coating experience. And you can do so much with how you grow it. Plus, you can do so much with how you treat it in the winemaking process. Plus, it gets so much, again, in the tertiary process for how it ages in the bottle. So Chardonnay's really, it deserves to grow everywhere in the world because it is so flexible, so impressionable, and yet carries itself with such grace in the glass when treated with respect. Great wine. Um, And great wine. You need to write that book. So the alcohol on this is 13.5% alcohol by volume. I'm glad to know that. Um, and um, this, uh, the winemakers here have, um, have always been about respecting the land. So the flowers actually don't own the winery anymore. Uh, they, they, they retired. 
Um, but they left a team in place, and there are two ladies, one who specifically handles the growing of the grapes and manages those teams, and one who handles the winemaking. And they have very much respect to the tradition the flowers brought to the wine of that delicacy, that uh, the idea of revealing that sense of place and celebrating this extreme East uh, Sonoma Coast growing um, regions there and it shows in the bottle it shows in the glass this sensitivity to these flavors to these nuances the wines are exceptional um, I think this one got like 93 points uh, and I believe you can get it on wine.com for about 48 dollars so that, wow. that gives you about a price point on where you can normally find this wine at um, locally uh, well and, and Wanderlust Delicato do they the um, well, speaking about this. the wine, there are there are, are tiers within this wine too. So there's a camp meeting ridge is a very specific vineyard site, and they grow Chardonnays there. And then Sea View Ridge is a very specific one. Those wines get up into sixty, eighty, ninety dollars mm-hmm. a bottle. This is their Sonoma Coast, so they're sourcing from a few broader sites to achieve this um, volume of wine that they can sell at this price. Okay. So you can not only get this wine on wine.com, and I'll put a link in the blah, 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 uh, but you also, um, <laughs> I always say shop global, buy local. I know you're probably tired of hearing it. I'm going to say it again and again because I believe that the people that we support locally support us locally. So go to Vino uh, in if you live in Spokane. Go to Bottles if you live in Spokane Valley. Go to Huckleberry's Market. Uh, if they don't have it on the shelf, ask for it. And it, find a local wine shop and go up to your wine person and say, hey, and I've got the description in the bio, so all you have to do is show them the, the podcast description and say, hey, look, this looks like a great wine. I really want to try it. Can you get this for me? And odds are really good that they will be able to find it for you and get it for you in less than a week. Yeah. And that's those are the kind of relationships. If you're going to get into wine, you really want to foster those relationships because maybe they can't get it for you but they can find you something else awesome. And the great thing is you don't just learn from like a podcast like this. You go into a wine shop, you go ask Amber, like at Wanderlust Delicato, you go ask her, hey, I heard this podcast. I want this wine. She gets it for you. And not only that, but she's got a wine shop and a cheese shop And you go in and then you learn something about cheese and you learn how to taste the cheese with the wine and you can have a glass of it right there. And there's just so much more to learn about food and growing food and where the food comes from and where the wine comes from. And it's all in one place. And then you sit down at a table and you look at the map at where that place is from. It's just, it's an incredible experience. Well, and you bring up a really good point that as um, Americans, and I speak to the audiences because 80% of you who listen to this podcast are um, in, in Northern America, we were taught to drink wine by itself. Wine exists on its own as a cocktailing beverage. And yet what the, the, the Europeans do and where wine's heritage comes from is wine was almost always part of the eating experience. It was part of the meal. It was part of eating and drinking so much so that the Italians say not that you're drunk, but that you haven't eaten enough, um, right. which is super awesome. And Julia Child at the end of her cooking show always shared the wines that go well with the food. And it's not just that the wine goes well with the food. It means that the food enhances the wine the wine enhances the food it's a whole taste explosion it's a miracle that we are so blessed to have the ability to have this experience that's just pure joy and maybe the wine you're drinking isn't perfect for the food you're having but that's part of the exploration which is also fun 
So there's a lot to be explored and enjoyed here. And you can't really, I mean, and it's not something you could really, I mean, aside from margaritas and guacamole, um, there are very few other beverage food combinations that go quite as amazingly as wine with almost any food. Okay, beer and hot dogs. Coconut and rum. Okay, coconut and rum. So, okay, maybe there's some more out there. But <laughs> wine and food are added to your projects, a list of things to explore and things to, to discover. Because I even saw online someone who's busy pairing different types of wines with different types of potato chips. Like Syrah with barbecue potato chips. Oh my God, that sounds like a party I want to do. Like We should do a tasting like that. I am we get 100% in on that six one. Six different types of potato <laughs> chips and pair six different types of wines and see how that goes. So anyway, uh, this is Drink Something Amazing. The whole idea is we want you to get out there and drink something amazing. So I've got an email, alex at drinksomethingamazing.com. I'm getting Christy set up. Send oh, us an email. I get my own email? About what you want to see us do next. I feel so included. Absolutely. You should Thank be because you. you are the Renaissance mom. Yes. We should just go back to the yoga mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so absolutely. You have an idea. Send it our way. You have a critique. Send it our way. You want to tell us that you're mad at this for not putting out an episode for five weeks? I want to hear about it because I, you, you need to let us know how you feel so we can get better at this. Anyway, regardless of how you feel, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, the wine today has been Flowers Sonoma Coast Chardonnay. It is a 2021 Chardonnay. Average price is about 48 bucks, And um, yeah, I think that's about it. And always be learning. Always be learning. It's okay that you don't know what flavonoids is or whatever that word was. <laughs> or how to pronounce them. <laughs> Uh, polyphenols, phenolics. Phenolics. Phen yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, go out there, grab a glass, put something in it, and, you know, join us next time as we drink something amazing. Mm -hmm.